Hey, and welcome to the Trailbusters podcast, uh, where we talk everything outdoors and adventure. I'm Ethan. I'm Bing. I'm Will. And this week, we're going to dive into some winter camping adventures. Probably about a, a year ago now, um, Will and I went on a little bit of a winter camping excursion, um, took out some skis and a bunch of gear and headed out into the great white north that is the Kortha uh, Highlands. Yeah, you guys were telling me about this uh, a while back, and it's curious. I'm, I'm curious about it because um, I've never been on one of those winter camping trips or anything winter camping related. Um, so yeah, I have no, no knowledge of how the experience would go. Yeah, I, I don't think either of us had been either at that point, unless you secretly have a, a great history of uh, winter camping activity as well. Nope. Uh, I think that was my first bona fide winter camping excursion. And uh, I think I think the main question is, did you guys have fun? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe from the stories we tell and the things we focus on while talking about it, it might not sound like it, but at the end of the day, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. My friend Sal and Kat went winter camping uh, maybe a few weeks ago now, and my friend Sally uh, said it, that she imagines it's sort of like uh, what giving birth is like. Like it, when you're doing it, it's really painful, but at, you don't kind of remember the unpleasant parts. You look back on it, and you're like, "Well, I'm really glad I did that." So um, I thought it was kind of a strange metaphor, but maybe it captures some of the. Uh, Dude, that's extremely ex- strange. <laughs> I think. I, I think that might be a little extreme for me. I definitely did enjoy a lot of it and do remember a lot of the painful parts, but um, it's it definitely was a lot of fun. It was an interesting experience, and it's also um, just a fun thing to like be able to say you did, I think. I think that's part of it, at least. Yeah. It's just being able to say you survived out. Because um, we were... It was probably negative 20 degrees Oof. Celsius most of the day while we were out there. That's yeah. rough. Even colder at night. So, well, we were. I mean, I mean, like, that sounds awful so far. So, I'm not, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious, but I'm not keen on it yet. Let's... Yeah. So, um, I think, I think the key to success, I mean, with all camping, but especially with winter camping, is really planning it out um, and making sure you've got the right gear for everything. Um, I think we kind of we we kind of proved that in certain ways on this trip too. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. like the differences between normal like summer and autumn camping. Like, what kind of differences did you find that you needed to do? Well, obviously, you need to keep warm, but is there anything else special that you guys needed to plan for? There's a lot. Yeah, I think, um, gosh, kind of where do we start? But. You know, one of the I think one of the big ones is how you carry stuff. Um, I think yeah. that's a big thing. So, uh, Teddy's and I, when we went up, we had skis and hiking backpacks, which really is not ideal. Um, Ethan had a better setup. Do you want to describe your yeah, setup? Yeah. So, so I got really excited. This was actually probably what I was most excited about for winter camping. Was um, I had seen some posts online uh probably like a youtube video or something talking about um winter camping and pulling all your stuff in on like a sled Um, and i found a a tutorial online Uh, maybe we can put a link in the show notes for something similar um 
and I just went to Canadian Tire, bought a cheap plastic sled, uh, drilled some holes in it, tied some rope, and used some PVC pipe to kind of rig up a harness and basically made the sled that I pulled behind me. Um, and how it kind of worked was I put a big tarp that we could use at our campsite later. I laid it in the sled, put all my gear in that, and then wrapped the tarp around mm. to kind of try and waterproof my gear. Nice. And then I had a little um, rope uh, loops around the edge of the to, uh, around the edge of the sled that I ran some rope through kind of like sho- tying shoelaces across the top. So they were like these zigzagging ropes holding all the gear down with the tarp around it, um, which was really great for distributing weight when you've got enough snow for the toboggan behind you. <laughs> I actually, I ended up being able to carry more gear than normal and two loads of like two big bags of firewood. Um, wow. That's pretty genius. Which made a huge difference. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. It's really great. The other, the problem really with... great until it hits you in the back of the legs when you're going down a hill. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you got to be careful with. The problem with the backpack thing, at least in part, is that if you're skiing, you typically, your skis match your body weight, not your weight with all your camping supplies. So it often is a case that you either need to rent or like own or rent skis that are heavier than would be ideal or like meant for more weight than would be typical. Um, so that can be a challenge. You have to remember that when you're getting your skis fitted to like add that mm-hmm. weight uh, if you're going to have a backpack on your back. Because I didn't consider that. And so my I effectively was snowshoeing with skis on. There was no like sprawling <laughs> to the <laughs> skis. Brutal. They were just, yeah, they were yeah. kind of sad. And this is, so. this is like, this is these are cross-country skis, right? Like these aren't like mm-hmm. alpine, like solid, rigid ones. No, these these supposed to have some sprawling to them. I mean, that's the whole right. point. Yeah, which kind of which kind of leads nicely into one of the next big things you've got to decide uh, when winter camping is how you're getting in there. Um, so we we talked a little bit, um, and I think uh, this this came up since we went camping. But when we were when we were originally planning this trip, um, you you discussed uh, cross country skiing quite a bit, Will, and I remember thinking to myself. I'm not super comfortable on cross-country skis. I don't really have much experience with it, but I just kind of assumed that you must be suggesting it because uh, you and <laughs> today had a lot of cross-country skiing experience, so I didn't want to seem like too much of a noob. Um, but really, deep down, I kind of wanted to go with uh, snowshoes instead because I just figured it'd be easier to pick up. Um, but uh, we ended up, I ended up not being vocal enough about it uh, and just kind of hinting about it very, very subtly too subtly (laughs) and uh but what i ended up doing was um we went for our trip for a weekend i ended up renting my skis probably like almost a full week in advance and i went out to gatineau park near ottawa where i was at the time and uh went out skiing quite a bit through trails there to kind of get used to it and very quickly realized how out of shape i was when it comes to cross-country skiing but i think that helped a little bit having a little bit of practice before I started pulling a sled into a campsite. Yeah, I can imagine that might be a bit different, uh, different experience, just towing something behind you. Um, What what else did you have to kind of think about when, you know, packing your sled? Yeah, so one one of the luxuries of using the sled like that was the, like, the ability to bring more stuff, like a lot more weight. 
I had a lot of like extra stuff I brought, um, but I also brought heavier winter gear. And I think this is one of the things that Will and I discussed a lot and we both chose slightly different approaches to when planning is um, neither of us really have good winter gear since this is really the first time we've both gone winter camping. Um, so we were talking about like the options of we had to rent skis. Um, do we rent gear as well? and Or do we try and make some of our more three season gear work for this fourth much colder season um like how do we want to go about that so my strategy was i went to mec and told them give me the warmest things you have <laughs> nice um and they did uh they gave me this huge tent that was actually probably too big uh, when we ended up camping because um, really when you're camping in the winter you want like um your body heat has to heat the inside of your tent so the more space the more heat it takes to heat it up so with just me in the tent I probably should have had a smaller tent but it ended up working out well enough and I got a super warm sleeping bag and a sleeping bag liner and then the skis and stuff as well um whereas I think Will you you went to with the more gear you already had kind of route right yeah we I bought a new sleeping bag but we used uh, today. She used just her ordinary three season and a sleeping bag liner, and we got some like extra things to help with the cold. But we didn't get. We used our three season tent, and um, didn't invest a ton in getting like su- super warm stuff. It it almost worked. Today's was warmer than I was. Um, I think that sleeping bag liner they're surprisingly good. Like it, they they make yeah. a, a big difference. Um, the tent thing, I, I'm i of a mind that a four-season tent is nice but not necessary for winter camping. I, I, I'm not sh- convinced that you really need those. I'm not sure. I think maybe more of the value is like for a four-season would be if you expected like wind or kind of like rougher, more inclement weather. But right. just for like if it's just warmth, I think really the focus should – I mean, I'm not – what do I know? I mean, take this with a grain of salt. But I, I think if you're just going for warmth, the, the, the first thing to optimize is your sleeping bag um, and, and ground cover, like foam and, and a good thermorest that's rated for cold temperatures. Um, the right, tent that's true. A doesn't lot of the, provide a lot of help. A lot of the heat escapes in the bottom, right? Like how much, yeah. how mm-hmm. much insulation do you guys have to bring just to you know, keep yourself warm from the ground? What I read was... a. Th- there, well, first of all, thermorests are rated for heat, which I didn't know until I prepared for this trip. But also, mm-hmm. um, uh, the recommendation that we followed was to get these like yellow foam. They're just like I think I don't, nothing special, just some sort of like yellow foam pad, and having that underneath your sleeping pad to right. provide a little even even more cushion, and and that really helped. So. Yes, I I did something similar. Um, I bought one of the, I already have one of those um, Thermarest, like inflatable closed cell foam sleeping pads. Um, But from what I read, the fact that it has air pockets in it can be a little bit detrimental in the winter for insulation. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I did was I used that and underneath that I put similar, um, like just one of those fold out closed cell foam uh like one of those foam pads it's like an accordion one um which again it was really great to have that extra space because it was a fairly light but fairly large like it took up a lot of space in my giant sled i don't think i'd take it backpacking but 
Um, it was really nice for uh, winter camping, having it in the toboggan. And I think that definitely made a difference. Mm-hmm. That and, like Will said, the sleeping bag liner made a huge <laughs> difference. The tent itself, um, I think... To Will's point, if you had strong winds or a lot of snow, I think there'd be a much bigger difference. I also think, I think it kind of depends on the ventilation, like wind protection, and maybe maybe there's some comp- uh, condensation trade-offs. But uh, at the end of the day, when I woke up in the morning, um, everything in my tent was frozen anyway. Right. So it's definitely not going to make that much of a difference uh, when it's that cold out. Right, and... And you guys were telling me that you guys were camping by a lake as well, right? Like it must be it must be a trek to get there in the first place. And how was the wind condition by the lake? So so the first day, like the day in, was actually gorgeous. Um, it was really really cold, but it was one of those cold days where the it was perfectly still and the sun was high. So once once I got moving. Um, I got there a little bit earlier than uh, Will in today's, so I headed out early and like got camp set up, um, and it was just the most peaceful and beautiful experience going out there. Um, <laughs> nice. It was perfectly still. I got nice and warm. Um, I actually, I think I might have stripped down a little bit as I was going, so I wouldn't sweat too much. Um, it's very important on trips like this to make sure you're layered, uh, so you can do that, because getting wet is probably one of the worst things you can do while winter camping. I guess you wouldn't want to jump in and make a snow angel then. No, you would not. Uh, not, not advisable. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it was, is pristine. And like the lake head was untouched. Uh, we were only about what, like an hour, an hour and a half in. Well, yeah, it wasn't bad. It was called bottle lake access point, I think. And you drive yeah. along these kind of nice gravel, maybe roads or that. I mean, they're pretty snowy. They're not like me plowed roads um mm-hmm. to get there um yeah pretty accessible and a nice drive too yeah we you basically you ski um the parking lot where you'd park during the summer is was not plowed so you park down on the road like where you'd pull off into the parking lot right. and you ski through the parking lot through a little trail to a lake and then it was you ski along one lake and then you go on a little trail from the one lake to the other lake and ski across that lake to an island that we were out on Um, but it was just beautiful it was really pristine i think the only thing that bothered me about it is next time i'd definitely wait for will and Teres just for peace of mind because (laughs) um most of the way i was most of the way there when i realized i've never been on this lake there's no other tracks on this lake. I don't know the current conditions under the ice or how thick the ice actually is, and I'm out here by myself. <laughs> so that was, that gave me like a little bit of a chill down my spine for a minute, or maybe it was just really cold. But um, blazing a new but, trail. Yeah, it was also really cool doing the blazing the new trail part. Yeah, the speaking of the ice, um, I, I don't know if we mentioned in the planning segment, but. Another important thing to do is to check the ice conditions before you go out. And mm-hmm. typically, at least in Canada, you can do that by calling the park office. Um, there's a number. Uh, you can get it depending on the park for d- different number, I think. And you call, and then they're used to it. You just say, hey, you know, what, what are the ice conditions going to be like? Or do you know what they've been like lately? And every day or every couple of days, they'll check. And they'll check in different spots. And so uh, I was trying to... 
I was thinking about going out to Quartha Highlands to do some winter camping, which is the same park that Ethan and I went last year and um, called them. Now, this was a few weeks ago, and they said that the uh, we had been having such a warm, we've had a warm winter, um, and at the time we hadn't had any free, any like real low temperatures. And they said that actually um, the smaller lakes are safe, but bigger lakes, like the ones we were on, uh, hadn't frozen enough to be safe to, to go out on. So you really do have to check in. I mean, no one will stop you mm-hmm. from going out. You can still rent At- the site, but it's super unsafe. Actually, our our site too, um, it had been unseasonably warm for a while, and the ice. Uh, I think when you had been checking, Will, you had said it wasn't in good condition until a few days before our trip. Mm, yeah, um, that sounds right. Right. And then that was both luckily and unluckily very cold for like a solid week, and we were right <laughs> in the middle of that week when we went. Um, yeah, the weekend we were out was the weekend that the East Coast got hammered by this like insanely epic snowstorm. There was yeah, I remember that storm. Yeah, yeah. it was in the papers because Newfoundland got so much snow that it was like six feet or something crazy. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it's the same like storm like system, but we. Well, we'll get to this, but we ended up getting a fair bit of snow on the second day. So, yeah, yeah, but the first day was absolutely beautiful. Really pretty, just like it's nothing but blue sky and the white snow. It's so bright, it's so cold, um, <laughs> and yeah, it's really quiet, and you can see the clouds. And the snow is textured like sand. You know the way there's like patterns in sand. Like the snow right. is gorgeous. It's so beautiful the way it drifts and eddies and moves around and yeah it's a really uh, serene and you don't see as many people like if you go out um in the summer or during the popular months you know you'll you'll run into people here and there but winter camping like if you see someone else it's kind of an unusual it's like an event yeah i think I think the closest I came to seeing people that weren't in our group was I originally followed out some trails that turned out, I think, to be the park ranger because they would go to different spots. And mm-hmm. at th- first I thought it might have been an ice fisher, but they went out to a few different spots and there would be like a hole. Maybe it was, but um, I'm guessing it was the park ranger if we kept bugging him about the ice conditions. <laughs> like, <laughs> these jerks. Yeah, um, I saw. I think I remember actually seeing the same the same trail yeah you could yeah. see tracks from snowshoes and something probably being pulled like a sled for part of it yeah um right and then the other the other thing that really surprised me was on the when i was skiing out um and i don't know if you noticed this when you guys were going was there were birds like flying around and chirping like tiny little like maybe chickadees or something i couldn't believe there were birds out at like negative 20 wow the, the but it was it was beautiful the lake is really nice like when you're on the lake it gets so cold but and it's really noticeable when you walk into tree cover how much the temperature changes like trees really that's hold interesting heat. because that's not from like wind or anything right it's just it's partially temperature i think it's yeah i think it's combination of factors but i think the lakes refrigerate you know they right they, they like it keeps a lot of keeps a lot of uh frost in there yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know the science behind it, but yeah. it, it really depends on conditions too, though. Because when you're moving out on on the lake, if it's really sunny out too, you get a lot of like sun reflecting off the snow and stuff, and that can warm you up while you're on the move. Um, but if it's more overcast, then you lose that, um, which you also lose once you get into tree cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
once you guys got across the lake, you found your site, like, what is the first thing that you guys set up? Um, so, so I got there first, uh, by a little bit. Um, and one of the key things about winter camping, at least in the Kawartha Highlands, and I think it's similar in other places I've looked in Ontario, um, is you're really not supposed to set up camp on the campsite you booked. You're actually supposed to set up, um, there are a few requirements. Um, I should have looked them up before this episode, but it's something like, um, so many feet away from any bottle body of water, uh, any trail and any established campsite, uh, just not to disturb certain things. And I think part of it is, um, that's probably where a lot of paths for animals to easily pass through and find food and things like that are. And they don't want you disturbing that. Um, but the nice thing about winter camping is the snow really packs down the underbrush. So the areas that are heavily treed and normally in the summer would be full of shrubs and stuff like that and like harder to kind of crawl your way through are now like much more, it's almost like a c- cleared out a lot more and packed down. Yeah. So the only thing you have to contend with for space are trees as opposed to like small shrubs and stuff for the most part. Um, yeah. So I found... Off to the side of our site, there was a nice, clear little area. It was really beautiful looking when I got there. I think it was like golden hour, so it, like it looked absolutely gorgeous. I think I have a really cool photo we can try and throw up on Instagram. Um, but the very first thing I did was took my skis and kind of, I felt like a pigeon or something, kind of bird walking <laughs> around with my skis on, flattening out the area and packing down the snow uh, to set my tent up on. Um, and then from there... You know, get going right away on a fire. I thought you were going to like stick your skis in the snow vertically and clean your territory. No, no. Uh, well, I did that after. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I like used them to pack it down and stuff, and then went out. Um, I brought. We had the firewood, but I also brought a hatchet to try and get kindling and stuff, and went and start chopping branches and things like that. And then uh, Will and Teres arrived and set up their tent and helped. Um, yeah. Helped to get the fire going, and then Will got creative with his tarps. Oh, Do you I want to tell us about your tarps, Will? Yes, thank you. I love to talk about tarps. Um, <laughs> yeah, so many moons ago, I took a winter camping workshop. It was like a one-day thing with a kind of a guide who does different classes, and we learned some different techniques. And a lot of it was like different tarp riggings. And um, I, I wasn't as wildly successful with my tarp <laughs> efforts, <laughs> um, but the, the basic idea is you can capture heat with tarps, especially if you get those emergency blanket type things that are like ref, reflective. Um, right, those mm-hmm. thermal blankets. Thermal blanket type thing. You, If you set them upright and you use like ski poles or sticks to create, like to have them kind of like surround the fire, uh, you can capture more heat from the fire. And I know, like, if you can set up a fire against, like, a wall, like a cliff face or, like, a boulder, uh, that's good, too. Anything to, like, deflect the heat of the fire towards you and capture as much of it as you can is good. So, yeah, you can use tarps to do that. So I remember trying to do that. But, you know, it's really hard in the cold, and especially as you're losing light, uh, to manipulate things with your fingers. Because as soon as you take your gloves off, like, gloves are so important. You want to get, like, the most warm gloves you can get because the minute you take them off, your hands start to get really cold and freeze. Mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating, like, I, I remember feeling like I had a matter of, like, less than a minute of, like, dex- like finger time. <laughs> <It> sounds weird. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, before I had to like warm up again. So you have to really like make sure you think about that. Um, but you got you got the one tarp up um, really well across the top line. The bottom we couldn't get to stick down. So as the wind picked up, it kept kind of blowing up. The emergency blanket though. Um, that we did on the other side, you could tell you were running out of steam because I think you just like tried to like pin it to a tree with a ski pole and like lay it on a rock or something. Nice. Because it just kept blowing away. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the other problem we ran into with that situation was the location I chose for the fire. There was kind of like a ho- a natural hollow, like kind of a bowl in the ground that I thought, oh, this is great. This will shelter you know, the fire from the wind and stuff, mm-hmm. and it'll, like, radiate heat out to us. So I put the fire in this kind of depression, but the problem is uh, the snow around it, like, melts and refreezes as the fire goes oh, and boy. turns into, like, a layer of ice, and there was no good where to, good place to sit um, outside of the bowl that was close enough to the fire, so we were, like, half in the bowl and the whole time. <laughs> we're just, like, constantly shuffling back as we slowly slide into the fire. And then there was, uh, we almost lost a whole bottle of uh, white gas for our cook stove, slid right down the thing, almost right into the fire. That would uh, be bad. Before we caught it, yeah. would have been epically bad. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It was kind of hilarious because you just couldn't get comfortable. You'd sit down and you just slowly start sliding into the fire. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah and then, learning there. I mean, you could have made, like, lounge chairs out of snow, right? Kind no, but you, like, everything greens. was, like, melting into the fire. It was, like, a black hole. Yeah. Uh, yeah. right, right, right. So your chairs would melt anyway. Everything would have mm-hmm. melted. It's, like, <laughs> conveyor belt right into the fire. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, um, it's important, like, winter camping, like, as soon as it gets dark, you know, it gets real cold, and, um, the fire is sort of the only thing that you got to keep you warm. Mm-hmm. I, I watched uh, some YouTube videos of winter camping. It's really incredible what people get up to. Uh, a lot of folks will keep a fire going all night and um, rely on that for most of their heat. And they'll have just like a sleeping bag, a tarp, and a fire kind of catching the heat mm-hmm. with the tarp. And set up like that, I mean, I'm in awe of that. I think that's really cool. But um, I, s- I don't know. I saw a really cool one where a guy and his son went winter camping, and they went really hardcore, and they brought, like, elk pelts and slept in a snow cave they dug with, like, a fire near the mouth of the cave. Oh, my gosh. That's interesting. It was, it was pretty intense, but apparently they were, like, super warm, and the fire went through the night, and he was able to start it up again pretty quick to start up breakfast and stuff. That's pretty much like an igloo almost, like... Yeah, snow insulates pretty well. It I mean, is. I've heard mm-hmm. I've heard stories about, you know, people getting set up with camping, winter camping setups using snow and pretty simple techniques and they're able to yeah, capture tons of heat uh and and actually be like toasty warm like it's kind of incredible if you know what you're doing, what you can do. But Yeah, I'd just be worried about cave-ins and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I think what happens with the uh, Quincy's, I think they're called like snow caves is that you you create a your body heat will turn this snow to ice that you're sleeping on right. so and even like radiating around you to the ceiling so getting the right size and like making sure it's leveled so like that's really important it's yeah it's not something to be done by the inexperienced i i think one of the trouble with winter camping is that it it does require kind of a unique skill set in some ways it, it really isn't just normal camping um and there's a lot to learn and it seems a little riskier like in my mind you know things can 
go wrong in more ways. Like it's kind of a higher risk type yeah. of camping. And so there's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. How do you really start to develop the skills? Because just like anything with camping, everyone starts not knowing the, the these skills. But the, because it's higher risk, it can be hard to develop the skills. Right. And, and it's really like that learning curve is once you kind of get far enough along that learning curve, it starts to become more comfortable and easy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think having a friend who's familiar is one way to start um day trips or apparently having a friend who's completely unfamiliar with winter camping (laughs) but just diving in yeah there's Um, a certain amount that uh yeah good attitude will take you so so far but yeah i i think it's something that you should really uh, approach with a lot of respect it can be really fun but it's you know it's something you really want your wits about you you want to really be thoughtful and considerate of the the risks involved which are very real and uh, make sure that you plan very modest trips. You're not going to be covering a lot of distance. You don't need to because the park's so empty, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. It's if something goes bad, it can go a lot worse than it would on a typical camping trip. Yeah. I mean, like um, your trip kind of went sideways a little bit on the second day or the third day when the storm came in, right? Oh yeah. Well, I started yeah. getting like snowy. How did we know? Somehow we knew that it was going to so, get worse. Did you smell it in the air? So so I woke up uh, quite a bit before you guys um, and was just kind of milling about the campsite, picking up wood. Um, I woke up because it was starting to get a little bit louder because there's wind picking up. Um, and basically after a little while of collecting woods and stuff, I went out and just stood on the lake and you could just see a mass of dark clouds in the direction that the wind was coming from. Um, like very heavy snowstorm clouds. Uh, so I think at that point I went and kind of kicked your tent and checked to see if you guys were up and kind of got you guys to come out and take a look and give your opinion as to if we were about to get hit with as big of a snowstorm as I thought we were. Uh, which, uh, spoiler alert, we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do remember. I remember driving home and like we got home just in time before like things got like, shut down it was it was pretty one of the bigger snowstorms of the year i remember that's crazy i mean you guys were pretty much racing against weather then at that point yeah we really could have been snowed in and that would have been a problem although we had enough food i think what we would have run out of is firewood right and, what and was the what fuel. was the decision i guess i guess it was your first trip right and the decision was pretty easy to make and just you know get get out of here type of thing well, I remember yeah, Therese was like... We, we hemmed a lot. Yeah. We hemmed a bit, but... Therese is like this. Like, she's so tough. She's like, I'm not... We don't need to go home soon. Like, we're being, you know, weak or something. Like, I remember she's like... <laughs> You're weak she, and soft. <laughs> she, yeah, she's definitely always fine to, like, go through different conditions. But I'm so glad that we went because, yeah, we would have been hosed. We would have almost certainly not been able to get out of the parking lot. If, even, I'd say, probably, like, if we had waited, like an hour or so we would our car wouldn't have been able to get out right yeah um yeah i'd agree with that and it was it was a very um once we started moving i think we realized pretty quickly how quickly we had to go and get out of there because we like we packed up all our stuff um and hightailed it out and we were skiing as fast as we could the wind was crazy um it went from it was still like negative 20 
but it was no longer that still sunny, beautiful day. It felt so much colder, the wind blowing. Um, I think the first lake, they kind of L together. In the first lake, the wind was mostly at our back, so it wasn't even as bad. But once we got onto that second lake, it was like coming at like a little bit less than a 90 degree angle. So like hitting that like left side mm, of your face. Yeah, crosswind. Yeah, the whole time. And I just remember it being so biting cold um, and so distracting, almost distracting enough that I almost missed when I um, skied over Will's driver's license. Yeah, I still that have. That was laying. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> else had walked over it with snowshoes because there was little like poked holes in it too. Wait, hold yeah, on. You lost yeah. a driver's license? My credit card driver's license, a couple of things. I, I th- so we kind of didn't go into it, but on the way into the campsite, I felt a ton on my skis. I'm not a good skier in the best of times, but I found skiing with my bag on to be like nigh impossible. And I did a lot of like Daffy Duck style, like right. st- from a standstill, somehow face planting. Um, so yeah, I definitely felt a lot. Uh, and apparently one of those spills, I left my, uh, passport or my, my, most of my wallet contents fell out. So that's crazy that you guys found on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were skiing out and I saw something and I was like, what is that? That almost looks like a driver's license. And I picked it up and looked and I was like, that's Will. That's Will's driver's license. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I still have it. It It has holes in it from where that happened. (laughs) Nice. It was like a mood lifter. I I almost feel like Will did it on purpose to lift our spirits because he knew it was going to be a tough second day. We also we ran out of water uh, on our way back too, but we ran out near the end of the or mm, yeah. No, our water froze. Our last inch of water froze in the water bottle um, before we got all the way back. Yeah, um, but we were we were close enough at that point that it um, that it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but it came we came very close to uh, running completely out of water, which is much harder when you're winter camping. I think that's one thing we didn't mention. Um, When you're camping in the summer, I bring a water filter, you know, you drop it in a lake or something and you fill up your water bottle. We were on a lake, but had no access to the water. Um, We were boiling snow for our our water. So if we needed more, we would have had to stop and start a fire or get a stove going or something like that uh, just to be able to get some more drinking water which would have been a much more involved process yeah Yeah. you can definitely run out of water easily having a a good kettle uh is really Mm -hmm. really nice because you can always use whatever cooking pot you brought to heat up the snow but a kettle will do it in twice the time half the time rather yeah Um, it also lets you do like we did which was while we were cooking dinner in the cooking pot um i kept running and filling up the i brought a little kettle and i'd fill it up with snow and throw it just sit it right on the fire oh nice and melt snow that way so we can Mm. multitask yeah Yeah. that's a good point you can put it on the campfire uh and then that nice warm water is uh much nicer than cold water when you're out winter camping (laughs) yeah that in the chili really warmed me up at night oh yeah i like a good pot of chili Mm -hmm. yeah i mean hmm i don't know if i'm still convinced this is great or not (laughs) <laughs> I think my take on winter camping is you definitely aren't going to want to do it as much as frequently as you would in warmer times. Like I, I wouldn't want to go more than maybe once a season, to be honest. I know people right. do. So I think, you know, clearly, mm-hmm. you know, it's attractive enough. But what I like about it is you're embracing the climate that you're in. You know, it is cold out. It is snowing outside. 
and I think we, you know, we, we have the comforts of home and can keep ourselves, um, keep all of that at bay, but you can really, there's a lot to appreciate in the cold in the winter. And I think it kind of helps you feel more like, I don't know, um, uh, if that even makes sense, but just somehow it's like, seems important to yeah. like get to know all the different seasons. Uh, I think it, it also gives you a good break through the long winter months that for me, um, I mean, we're all in the software industry, so we spend a lot of time in front of computers and plugged in. Right. It's really nice to be able to have that same experience that you get from camping the rest of the year of completely unplugging and like going into nature and disconnecting. It's such a good reset, and you still get that in the winter, uh, almost more to an extreme because it's like a whole other world uh, when you're winter camping. And there's so many like... There are a lot of challenges, but there are also so many moments that you can capture that are just absolutely beautiful um, right. and you'd completely miss out on otherwise. Uh, just like on, on top of the other things we talked about, I every time I think about winter camping, one of the, the things that pop back into my head are like eating that, that chili around the fire and like feeling the warmth. It, like it's so much nicer when you're so, when it's so cold out, like it, it's such mm-hmm. a nice feeling. Um, or... Uh, we took, I brought in a little um, bottle of whiskey and we walked out onto the lake in the middle of the night and just stared up at the stars in perfect still silence with probably no one around for miles at that point <laughs> in the winter, in the middle of the night. Yeah. Sipping on some whiskey. It was, it was amazing. It's so pretty. It is so pretty. It's so pretty. And the... Yeah, it's it's its own beauty, completely distinct from like the kind of beauty of a of a summer or fall camp trip. Right. It, the forests are gorgeous, decked in snow and and ice, and it has it's it's very. I'd say it's worth doing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I I definitely don't think I'll ever love it as much as I need to to like have it be something I would seek to do. You know. With, with a lot of frequency like i said earlier but yeah i think it, i would definitely recommend at least once going uh, and going with someone who's with a little experience and making sure that you don't skimp on gear and make sure you're like you know going prepared uh makes a big difference mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think i need to just you know dive right into it and try it out like from just hearing you guys like it's fun and all, but like, there's always that risk and stuff like that. I think I just need to experience it myself. Yeah. Like Will said, have the right gear. I think one essential for is make sure you're comfortable starting a fire. I don't think, I don't think there's any way to enjoy winter camping in that cold of conditions without a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of an essential and nail down those like core camping skills of like, everything is going to be a little bit harder. So if you don't know how to set up a tent, you're going to be setting it up with numb hands. It's going to be a little hard. If you don't know how to make a fire, you're going to have to make a fire where yeah. it's harder to get it to catch. It's harder to build it. It's right. you've got to, you've got less dexterity for breaking up the wood. <laughs> um, so I think really nail down those main skills, which I think you already have Bing, more for like listeners who are getting into camping, um, nail those down, do your research, get the right gear and um, you could be in for a ton of fun. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, if you have any questions, you'd like to hear us uh, talk about anything in particular, you can find us at the Trailbusters on Twitter or email us at info at the Trailbusters. 
Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram. Check out our website, thetrailbusters.com, for more content and more information. Um, and uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, The Trailbusters Podcast. You can find it anywhere you find your podcasts. And if you really like us, what would really help us out is tell a friend about us. Get some more people listening. Uh, the more user listeners we have and the more feedback we get from you guys, the better we can make the show. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, for the Trailbusters, I'm Ethan. I'm Bing. And I'm Will. And we'll see you on the trail. Dun, 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 dun. Man, this is a long outro, dude. <laughs> <laughs>